we're just finishing up the offering here. So you know, on June 18th, we are going to have our, our first outdoor service, Father's Day, outside, looking forward to that. And a bunch of people were here last weekend cleaning up, getting ready for that. So thank you for all, all that you did that, for those that helped out with that. And uh, we look forward to being outside several times this summer, weather permitting. And, and the Lord has gracious to us last year, and we hope to be able to do that again this year. And so... King is coming. Jesus, at the, at the end, just before he goes to the cross, he preaches his final sermon. He's sitting on the Mount of Olives with his intimate group of disciples. He's just said to them, oh, yeah, you, you know, they're like, yeah, Jesus, you see this temple? Isn't this crazy? And he's like, yeah, guess what? That thing's going to be just destroyed. He's like, whoa. And so they ask him this question at the beginning of Matthew 24. I don't have it on the screen, but he's like, can you tell us? When will these things happen, and what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? And then Jesus preaches a sermon. He's like, yeah, there's going to be a bunch of stuff happen, and then the Son of Man will appear in glorious splendor, and that'll be the end. And, and then he begins to tell all these stories, these parables. To say, basically, these parables are designed to, to just draw in around the circle around the, the whole point of the matter of being prepared and being ready. Being prepared and being ready. So I'm at Canadian Tire yesterday, and, and I, I drive into the parking lot, and there's this guy with his big boat there, and it's a nice fishing boat, and so I'm automatically attracted to it. So I, I go and chat with him. I'm like, oh, yeah, nice boat. You know what? What's, what, you know what, what's up? He's like, well, I, I got up to the lake, and I'm ready to put it into Turtle Lake, and, and I go to push the button to put the mortar down, and it's like nothing happening, right? So we drove all the way to Turtle Lake. He drove all the way back to replace the battery, because he, he, he hadn't prepared. He didn't realize that his battery was dead. It, it wouldn't start the boat, wouldn't move the border up and down. And so he went all the way up there, came all the way back. Has that ever happened to you where you weren't prepared for something? I was flying this week. I was flying this week. And, uh, you know, I, I had this moment where I got into the airport. And, and, and then all of a sudden I had this like, oh, did I grab my passport? Of course I did. And I put it in my briefcase. But then as I looked at my briefcase, I couldn't see it there. And I was like, oh, where's my passport? And I was like, oh, no. You know, and it was like this, you know, when you're not ready, boy, it catches you by surprise. Some of you are planners. You like to be ready. You, you, we work a hard, you know, like I married one of those in my life, you know. And so, like, you know, we, we you know, it was Christmas and we announced in 2002 December 25th to, to our family, yes, we're going to have a baby next year. And then, like, January comes along, and Elisa says to me, yeah, we need to get the, the nursery ready. I'm like, the baby's due in July. Like, it's, it's January. No, no. You know, and I didn't, I didn't realize that. I mean, I'm, I was a young man and pretty naive, but, you know, women kind of like to build a nest, you know, kind of like the robin outside my front door this morning. She was, she was determined to have a nest right by the door, and I kind of poked it off. Boom! No, not here. Not today. Not now, you know, but, uh, you know, Lisa was getting kind of feathering her nest, right? So I'm like, okay, you know, we need to get this ready, but, you know, you understand sometimes in marriage, the plural we actually means you, right? You know, we need to get ready. Oh, no, no, you, because of course she's pregnant. She's not supposed to be around paint. And, you know, so we meant I needed to get the room ready for the baby. I needed to be ready, to be prepared. And that's a theme that Jesus keeps bringing out in this sermon called the Olivet Discourse, the last sermon of Jesus. And he begins to tell all these stories that talk about being ready, being prepared, you know, anticipating his return. Because there's this idea of that it could happen at any time. 
And so in Matthew 25, we find one of those stories. And so just to understand, we're working through Jesus' sermon. What did Jesus say about the end times? Because people are like, are we living in the end times? Is this the end times? Is, is Jesus going to come? Yes, he's going to come. Is what's happening out there definitively defined in the scriptures? Not that I see it that way. But the signs, he's like, yeah, there's the beginning of the birth pains. Those are happening. But does he talk about specific countries, specific world leaders that we see today in the text? I don't see it there. It's not there. He doesn't name anyone that we see alive today in this text. But he does talk about the need to be ready and anticipate his coming at any moment. And so in, verse, in chapter 25, verse 1, he begins this uh, story. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Okay, now understand that word virgin. Uh, the idea is these are our bridesmaids. And of course, in the first century, you, you probably didn't have sex till you got married because that was what they believed to be true, right? So, so most of the times, your, your attendants were virgins, right? So I mean, there, there's a, a double meaning there, but I mean, that's not always the case today uh, when it comes to a wedding. But here's this attendance. They're there to serve the wedding party. They have a distinct role. And they took out their lamps. And so I have here in my little thing here, a tiny little lamp. This is actually from Israel. You can't hardly see it, I know, but it's this little lamp. There's a hole for putting oil in, and there's a wick there. They come in. This is like the, the small, like economical size, you know, like low energy size, you know. This is the one I need to go to the bathroom. I need to check on the chickens or whatever. And so you just light this one because you don't want to use a lot of oil, and so this would just kind of help you to get around the house, just check on, oh, yeah, the kids are alive, and they're sleeping, yeah, you know, whatever. You know, this is like, this is the little. And then you could have bigger ones, bigger ones, bigger ones, you know. And so some people think that this might have been the type of, lamp that was in mind. But actually, others would suggest that the, the word could also be described like a torch, where you would dip this in oil and then light it on fire, and you'd be given, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes on that, you know, and then as the oil kind of was burned off, you'd have to reapply and then do it again, right? And, and the idea, of course, was that the Bridegroom would appear, and so in, this, in the wedding custom, it was a little, obviously very different than ours. And there's speculation because there's all sorts of different ideas, but the, the, the key is there's a group of people waiting for the bridegroom to arrive. That's what we're told in the text. He's coming. These girls' job is to light their lamps and lead them in. They are the processional. They are announcing his arrival. The brightness of the torch is an indication that, yes, the wedding is now reaching its climax, and now the bridegroom is here. Boom. It, yeah, let's begin the party, the festivities, right? So, so there is the lamp. So don't, don't get caught up, you know, on, on the little, you know, mini lamp. But, but think of the torch, right? Your job is to illuminate the bridegroom. And as you would walk in these, these, this procession, the whole town would, would follow. Because in the ancient Near East, the wedding was the party of the town. When a wedding happened, everyone stopped and joined in and, and ate and, and danced and had a good time. And so they are announcing that the party is here. The bride groom has finally shown up. And so here we have this wedding party waiting for the bridegroom. You know, it's kind of weird because we always 
wait for the bride, right? <laughs> and in our culture, right? I mean, it's the, usually the bridegroom's ready, and we're waiting, we're waiting. I did a wedding recently. It happened to be a relative of mine. And I got the call at like 20 minutes to the wedding point, and someone's like, yeah, they, they actually haven't left the salon yet. <laughs> and we're like, oh, no, you know, what's going to happen? But they actually made, they made it on time. We, we started the wedding on time. But, you know, so, but here, you don't know when it's going to start, they're, they're, but they're waiting. And their job is simply this, to light the way, to announce that, yes, the bridegroom has arrived and the party is about to begin. So keep that in your mind, that this is what's happening. They have one job, to light the way. Well, he gives more detail about these particular wedding party. In verse 2, he tells us that five of the virgins were foolish and five were wise. And Matthew kind of likes this dichotomy, this sort of comparison. He uses this in, in his Sermon on the Mount as well. Now he's going back to this. Yep, there are two classes of, of virgins here. And, 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 and how do you know? Well, I'm going to tell you how you know which are which. But he wants you to know that, yeah, we've got five over here and we've got five over here. They look the same. They have the same equipment. They are all anticipating the same event. They all want to party and be with the bridegroom. Yes, they, they, they are all been invited. They've all been, you know, recruited for this task. But then he says, well, well how, how do you know that they're, who's wise? And how do you know who's foolish? And he says in verse 3, when the foolish ones took their lamps. They did not take extra olive oil with them. So along with this, you needed to keep a little flask or a little, you know, little jug of, of oil just so that you could replenish this and be ready. And they didn't take it. They, they just were going, you know, this, one commentator said, this is like the best man who forgets the rings, right? <laughs> they're, 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 you know, they're, 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 they've got a task, they've got the thing, and, you know, it's, it's, it's been lit, it probably has a bit of oil on it, but they forget to take the extra piece of equipment that they need. They are not ready. They're not prepared. And consequently, Jesus, in this story, says they are foolish. In verse 4. It tells us, but the wise ones took flasks of olive oil with their lamps. They're prepared. They're ready. They've anticipated what they need to do, and they are fully ready and prepared to do their duties when the bridegroom arrives. Wise and foolish. And, and Jesus uses these, these terms like throughout the scripture, and, and Matthew loves to, 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 to use these terms because, yeah, there are two ways to approach these kind of events. A wise perspective or a foolish perspective. And the difference in this story is preparation. It says in verse 5 that the, um, when the bridegroom was delayed a long time, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. And, and there's no judgment here. But they just simply are waiting and waiting and waiting, and, and, and the waiting kind of gets to the point where you fall asleep. Like I said a couple weeks ago when I was waiting for my third one to be born, I, I did fall asleep because it took so long. You know, waiting and waiting. And so here they are, they're sleeping. Uh, one commentator said, many a preacher has seen this happen while he's preaching. <laughs> so there you go. This is a common thing. You know, like I, I, I've seen this happen, yes. And, and, and I, I don't judge you. Um, 
you know, I, I, don't, I don't have nightmares about you sleeping during my sermon, but uh, uh, my father used to clean the smitties on Saturday night. And so if the guy was dry on Sunday morning, it was a long, long sermon. And uh, he had mentored under another older man in the church. He had learned how to sleep with his head straight and his eyes closed. And so you couldn't tell if he was praying or actually listening to the sermon or, or sleeping. And he, you know, he used to breathe really quietly. So anyway, that. So this is, here they are. They're, they're, they're ready. You know, they're there. They know that he's coming, but he's not showing up really fast. And so they fall asleep. And this is the reality is the coming and the return of Jesus Christ does seem like sometimes you're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Past generations waited and waited and waited. People that were living in 1948 thought, oh, here we are. People in 1970s thought, here we are. People in 2023, here we are. And maybe, and maybe not. They're waiting. And the issue is, are you ready? Because he will come. He is coming. And the point of the matter is, are you ready to do what you need to do when he comes as a bridesmaid, as a part of the wedding party? Are you prepared to discharge your duties in that moment? Are you ready? And then it says in verse 6, at midnight, there was a shout. I don't know if you, some of the old gospel songs talk about the midnight cry, right? This, this is where that comes from. There's a shout. Look, the bridegroom is here. Come out to meet him. Now is your time. You're on. You're, you, this is what you've been asked to do. This is what you've been prepared to do. This is what you've been planning to do. This is what you were all, you know, you guys were, you were ordained to do. Get ready to do it. Come out to meet him. And then this interesting situation happens. Verse 7. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. But in verse 8 says, The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. You see, the ones with the oil are dosing it, lighting it, boom. The other ones light their lamps, they go up, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're fizzling out, right? Some of you know what this is like. And you go camping and you can't get that lantern going or whatever the case may be, if you still use one of those old school ones. Not an LED battery one. But, you know, in the old days, we'd have to, you know, light the lamp and the propane and whatever, you know. And so, you know, they're lighting it. It's not going. It's not going. Hey, we got a problem. Because the worst thing that can happen is you get out there, you're bringing the bridegroom in, all of a sudden your lamp goes out. Oof, oof. You have one job to do. Light the way for the bridegroom to arrive. There you are doing your job, and all of a sudden, pfft, you fail. And so they're panicking, right? That's usually what happens when you don't prepare. You're not ready. You panic. I think some of you understand what that's like because you've been there in, in, in any number of areas of life where you found yourself in a situation where you weren't ready. And your heart just gets paralyzed. You're like, what do I do? Well, these girls have a plan. It tells us that in verse 9. Oh, sorry, verse, verse, verse 8, sorry. The foolish one said to the wise, give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. Which seems like a good idea, right? Oh, well, you got oil, let's share it with me. Uh -huh. let's, let's all go in together. But look what happens. It almost seems like they're mean. Verse nine. No, they replied. There won't be enough for you and for us. Go instead to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. Now, 
you got to get outside your North American mindset and think, oh, wow. Didn't they, you know, didn't they watch Sesame Street and learn how to share? Like, what are they doing? What kind of rude? But, but they know that, like, I've got a job to do. And for me to sacrifice what I have to help you out, I won't be able to do my job. And can you imagine all 10 of them walking down and all of a sudden halfway there, pssst, the lamp goes out. No, we can't help you. As much as we'd like to, we'd love to prepare others for the return of Jesus, right? We'd love for our preparation to account for someone else, but it doesn't. We can only prepare for ourselves. And if you're not ready, no one else, you can't take someone else's readiness or preparedness to, to help you when, when, when you need something. And here they are, okay, give us some of your oil. No, we can't. But you go find some and, and buy some and, and get, you know, get it on. You're like, middle of the night, it's midnight. Is there going to be someone open? But you know, some of you from other cultures, there are places where open hours are just a suggestion. If you have money, you, anyone will get up and help you. It doesn't work that way in Canada. But like in other countries, you need something. You go to the pharmacist. You ring their doorbell. They come down. You say, I need this, 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 and this. They go up and they get it and they give it to you. You pay them a little extra fee and it's over. That's what works in a lot of countries. Not in Canada. Unfortunately, go find someone, wake them up, get the oil, and then you can join the procession. We're ready, you're not. We're going to be here, you go get ready and join us when you can. And so we find this interesting in verse 10. But while they had gone to buy it, the bridegroom arrived. And those who were ready went inside with him to the wedding banquet. Then the door was shut. Now there are some aspects of this parable that maybe would be, you know, beyond the, the reality of the social system of, of its day. But you understand, he's making a very clear point. These girls that are ready, they've oiled their, their things, they're lighting, and the bridegroom comes, and they're like, yeah, here's the bride, they're si bridegroom, they're singing, they're, they're chanting, the village is joining in, they all get to the place, the banquet room, they, everyone gets in, they close the door, shunk, and the party begins. Meanwhile, the other girls are running and knocking on the door. Hey, you got any oil? I need some oil. You know, and they finally get some oil. They run back to the party. See that there? Verse 11, later. The other virgins came too, saying, Lord, Lord, let us in. We're here. We're here. Let us in. But the, the reality is, their job is over already. doesn't matter if they got oil and the lamps. Are, that job is done. That part of the wedding is over. Now we're into the, the partying and then the big roasted, you know, steer and all the chickens and everything else and the wine and they're having a good time. Hey, we're ready, we're ready. Let us in. And then in verse 12 it says, but he replied, I tell you the truth, I do not know you. Didn't you pick them to be part of your wedding party? But they weren't ready. And he welcomed and greeted those who were ready. They, they took him in. They did their responsibilities. They were now partying. And in that moment, he's like, I don't know 
you. It's interesting. I mean, there's a lot of parallels with the Sermon on the Mount, but in Matthew 7, 21, Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and do many powerful deeds? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you lawbreakers. This is Jesus' words, like, you know, earlier in his ministry. And now he's, he's repeating this again. He's like, yeah, these, they, they, they think that they're ready. They can get, they can get in on you know, the back door and kind of come in at the last minute. And he's like, no, no, sorry. You missed the opportunity. I don't know you. And then the final verse is this. Therefore, stay alert, because you do not know the day or the hour. Be prepared. Be ready. I'm, you know, do you remember, some of you that are older remember 1999. There was this furor about the turn of the millennium. Computer systems were going to just, you know, self-destruct. and Planes were going to drop out of the sky. and You know, get a generator and, you know, you know, have some chickens on hand and, you know, fill your tubs with water and your sinks with water. Because who knows? Even Christians were saying that, selling books about it. And I think, actually, I was up here playing a game, I think, on 1999, and, and all of a sudden the, the clock ticked to midnight. And the lights didn't flicker, and my computer didn't blow up, and the, the TV stayed on, and, and, and we, we listened to the news, and no, nothing was happening, you know. And in fact, you know, we were watching the news because, you know, it happened first, or we're somewhere, you know, a long ways away, and they, they, they turned first, and, and nothing, nothing, nothing happened, nothing happened. But many people prepared for a bad situation. And could it be that we prepare for the wrong thing? Your whole life is about preparation. You know, when you're young, you're preparing to, to go to college or you're preparing for school or you're preparing to, you know, date or you're preparing to get married or you're preparing to buy your first house or you're preparing for your retirement or you're preparing for this, you're preparing for your promotion, you're preparing for your educational advancement, you're preparing, you're preparing. Could it be that we spend our whole lives preparing for the wrong thing? And there is one thing that matters, that we prepare for the Lord's coming. And, you know, the final word is stay alert. Be ready. Be prepared. Because you don't know the day or the hour. And when it happens, it's too late to get oil that moment. You're in or you're out. These are solemn words. Jesus wants you at the banquet. And this sermon is a it's just a, a little bit of a, hey, make sure you're there. Make sure you've done what's, what's required so that you can participate with me in the banquet. But you can't lean on someone else's preparation. Well, I know, you know, so-and-so, and they're good Christian people, and so if I kind of hang around them enough, maybe that I'll be able to kind of squeeze in on the, you know, with their, you know, it's like going to Costco, right? Like you used to be able to bring a guest. You can't do that anymore, right? You say, well, you know, do they have a card? No, well, you can't buy here. And you go, Jesus like, yeah, you know, if, 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 you're, if you're a member, if you're part of my family, you're, you're in, but if you're not, it's too late, the day and the hour is coming. And we need to be prepared to be ready. You get ready in the morning to come to church. Some of you spend more time in preparation than others, but you all prepared. Every morning you get up. Some of you take a long time preparing yourself for the day. 
But are you prepared for this reality? The arrival of the bridegroom. When the midnight cry is uttered, he's here. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Now, what does that look like? Well, first of all, it's, it's, it's having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. When you believe in Jesus Christ for the promise of eternal life. You see, Jesus died on the cross, and he rose again. He paid for the penalty of sin on the cross. He, he was our substitute. And when we believe in Jesus Christ, we receive eternal life. Life that goes on and on and on. He says in John 11, right, that... He will live even if he dies. You're like, well, how do you live even if you die? Because you, you enter a relationship with God, and now you have a life that isn't about biology, but it's about relationship. And a relationship with God is life that lives that lasts forever. You may die physically, but you continue to exist with God in eternity forever and ever and ever. I did a funeral on Friday for a 95-year-old woman who, who knew this. And I mean, it was great because, you know, was she ready? Yeah, she, she passed into the, into, into, into the glory and she was ready because she had Jesus Christ as her Savior. She knew. She was longing for his return. She's like, oh, I just can't wait till Jesus returns. Are you ready? That's the first thing. You need to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And secondly, you need to live in anticipation of his return. Being ready for his return. Part of that is moving forward in a relationship with him. Sinning less and becoming more righteous as you walk with God in relationship with him. Orienting your resources and your time and your talents for his full disposal, you know, you know, whatever he needs. We're going to talk about that next week. What do you have? It's, it's what he's given to you, and, and he's going to come back and ask, what did you do with what you got? That's next week's sermon. You might want to skip next week if you're, if you're you know, because, you know, like, yeah. And then what Jesus is getting under our skin, he wants to get under your skin. He is coming back. Some people live like, like this is not going to happen. And then there's others who, who think they got what they need, but they don't. And I mean, how, how many of the guys I was reading this week, and many of them from the States where there's a deep religious culture, and they keep warning their people. Just because you go to church and you act like church people, you talk like church people, you quote church verses, doesn't mean you're ready. You need to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I grew up in a church. I went to camp. It doesn't matter. You're oilless if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can look like everyone else in the wedding party. You can act like everyone else in the wedding party. You can move along and sing the songs like everyone else in the wedding party. But unless you have Jesus Christ, you're saved. You're not going in. Be ready. Be prepared. And so that's what brings us to the communion table. Because communion is, is sort of an, a, a regular event that we do. And I think Jesus designs it for, so, that, so that this is a moment of preparation. It reminds us, yes, our lives are now anchored in this reality. Jesus died for me and rose again, and, and he's coming back. And my life is now no longer mine. It's lived for him. Maybe you don't feel that way. But that's what Jesus invites you to. A full relationship reality with him. And so we're going to celebrate communion today. If you know Jesus Christ, your Savior, I invite you to join us. If you would like to make that decision today, you can make that decision and join us. If you're here today, but you got garbage in your life, it's stacking up in your heart, you're, you're living in sin, God has brought conviction, but you're not acting on it, then don't take communion, please. 
This is a reminder that we walk in newness of life. That we are seeking to be prepared, ready. Um, And so do your business with God and then come. Even if you blew it, let God forgives you. And start again here. Come up and start again. So I'm going to invite the team up. We're going to take him in this morning. And actually going to be self-serve today. Just come up, grab your bread, grab your cup. Uh, there's a gluten-free right here to my left. There will be someone circulating. If you don't, if you're not comfortable getting up, you're not able to get up, you'd prefer to stay seated and receive communion where you're seated, Jerry will be around. And you just got to get his eye contact and he'll serve you. You don't have to come up. But if you, if you, I'm inviting those that would like to, that are able to, uh, to come and grab your bread, grab your cup, return to your seats, and we'll partake in communion together. And this is our recalibration, our preparation. Because every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Yes, he's coming back. The bridegroom approaches. And I drink that bread, and I, I, I eat that bread, and I drink that cup, and it's like, yes, this is what it's all about. This is how it's, the whole world is going to end. This is eternity with the bridegroom in his kingdom, celebrating, enjoying the, 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 the peace and the joy and, the, and, the, and, and all the goodness that comes with that. That's what we're living for. This isn't the best, you guys. This, this is like, you know, 20%. The best is yet to come. Communion reminds us of that. He paid the price so that we can enjoy the wedding feast with him. And so I invite you to come and to celebrate with me. Grab your bread, grab your cup, return to your seat, and then we'll partake together as we kind of close out our our holiday weekend service, focusing, retuning our hearts with the reality of Jesus Christ. So would you pray with me as we prepare, and then I'll, I'll invite you forward to come and receive communion here this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you have not left us on this earth with no hope, but that you are coming back. May our hearts be prepared and ready for you. May our lives be aligned with your kingdom purposes. May we stand before you righteous and unblemished because of what Christ accomplished for us on the cross. And so this morning, we participate in in a small token of this, a a miniature appetizer of that great wedding feast someday with you in glory and in your your kingdom. We just look forward to that, O Lord. And so this day, as we eat bread and drink cup, we we do so just knowing that, yes, a better day approaches. and, And may we be ready on that day. And in this moment now, make us ready for this act of worship as we declare you to be Lord and Savior of the world because of your death on the cross. And so, Lord, be glorified in this moment as we gather as your people together, redeemed, forgiven, set free with new life because of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. And so when you're ready, and again, if you want to stay seated, that's fine. Jerry will come and will serve you. But when you're ready, I just invite you to come up the outside, grab your bread, your cup, if you need gluten-free right here. 
return to your seat. If you're not comfortable, or you're just not ready to take community, that's fine. Just remain seated. No judgment. No one's criticizing you. That's okay if you're not sure about it. That's no big deal. If you've got things you've got to deal with that you can't deal with today, that's not a problem. But those that are ready, those that would like to come up, take your, grab your elements, return to your seat again, and then uh, um, Jerry will be circulating if, if you would like to just make eye contact with him. He'll come and, and give you the